This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own now time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. Yeah, I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Here at JSI, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we want to have a great time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, great to be here with you for another episode. Always. Excited for a new format that uh, we're going to give a try today. That's it. We're going to be taking some of the key news stories that have uh, popped up in our news feeds over the last week or so and then bringing it back to basics and unpacking what it actually means for us as investors. There's been plenty of things uh, in the news around interest rates. You may have seen a a latest update around Magellan and uh, if you're a shareholder, some option plans and also uh, headlines around Mike Cannon-Brooks and AGL. Now, if none of those ring a bell, then you're about to find out what they all mean. And then we'll close out as well with some Coles and Woolies prices. They're going up. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping and more just a reminder of all the shows in the Equity Mates Network. We are really happy with uh, The Dive, our business podcast, our business news podcast. So uh, not so specific about investing, just more generally about the world of business. Uh, one story well explained. But then also we have a number of other podcasts in the network, Comedian V Economist, You're in Good Company, Equity Mates, Crypto Curious, Talk Money to Me, Meet Pay Love. Wherever you are on your investing journey, whatever your interests, we probably have a podcast for you. So make sure you uh, check out the full stable of Equity Mates shows because um, yeah, there's a lot of hosts doing a lot of great work across the network. That's it. So head to equitymates.com to find out more information on all of those shows or just search them in your podcast player now. Ren, let's turn to the first big story that uh, at the time of recording, this time last week, the Reserve Bank of Australia or the RBA, our central bank, they raised interest rates for the first time in 11 years yep. from 0.1%, which was a record low, to 0.35%. So an increase of 0.25%. To use some jargon, you might hear someone say 25 basis points, uh, but essentially a quarter of a percent was what the RBA lifted rates. What does this actually mean for us? 
So what it means is for banks, borrowing money has got a little bit more expensive. How that will affect us is two ways directly and then one way indirectly. Nice. Well, let's let's kick off with directly. Reserve Bank comes out, we've intre- increased interest rates. How am I going to directly impact? be impacted by that decision? So the first one and the one that a lot of the reporting, a lot of the Instagram posts uh, focused on was mortgages. And so the Reserve Bank increases the cash rate from 0.1% to 0.35%. That 25 basis point difference, then all the banks pass that 25 basis points difference on to their customers, their mortgage holders. So if I have a 5% interest rate, uh, mortgage rate with any of the big four banks, they've all passed this interest rate rise on. So now my mortgage is 5.25%. And that means I pay more to the bank every month. Your interest payments have gone up. So there's um, some examples here of what that might mean. So increases um, on the average mortgage here in Australia is about $88 per month. Um, on a $600,000 home loan, uh, the impact is an increase of $74 per month. And on a $1 million home loan, uh, the 0.25% increase uh, equates to a $130 increase in your payments per month. So Ren, as you said, direct impact, we've seen all four major banks pass on the full increase from the RBA through to their mortgage holders. Now, if that has people wondering a house price is going to fall, it's a red hot maybe at this point. (laughs) Um, When banks give you a mortgage, they they always assess you on an interest rate higher than what they're giving you. So if they've given you a 3% interest rate, they probably probably stress tested you on like a 6% interest Mm. rate. Mm. So it's probably not going to cause housing chaos, but this is probably the first of many interest rate rises. So I think for most people, most listeners, I actually don't know. Do you reckon more listeners have a house or don't have a house? I think, oh, that's a really good question. We should poll we should. the community. Yeah. I'm going to say have. I'm going to say don't have. Okay. Uh, just maybe because neither of us have a house. Maybe the majority, maybe not the majority of listeners. The increase in mortgage rates doesn't really affect us day to day. But this next effect, this next direct effect affects everyone and that is your savings account. And we have a gripe with the big four banks. Well, one of the big four banks here because in theory, when the Reserve Bank increases interest rates, the banks then pass that on to savers as well. Your savings account, which probably has a 0.1% interest rate at the moment, they increase that interest rate. They give you a little bit more for your savings. And Bryce, would you believe it? Not all four of the big banks have passed it on to their savers. All of them have passed it on to their mortgage holders. They're happy to charge mortgage borrowers more, but not all of them are giving a little bit back to their savers in a world where they just reported record profits as well. Ren, I would believe that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no question that over the last, you know, five, you could even stretch it out to perhaps 10 years, money in the bank account hasn't been the best investment. Interest rates have been so low. I'm just looking at some of the term deposit rates here. And for those that are unaware of term deposit, that's where you 
essentially commit your savings to the bank for a period of time and they'll pay you interest on it. Uh, Six-month term deposit rates here for ANZ, CBA, NAB and Westpac, the big four, are all 0.15%. Oh, my God. So you're, you're barely making any money over that six-month so period. So what, what does that mean? If I have $100 saved in one of those, how much am I getting? So, Ren, the 0.15% is the annualized rate. So that uh, 0.15% for $100, you're going to get 15 cents. Yeah, 1% would give you a dollar. Yeah. So 0.15% would give you 15 cents. Give you 15 cents. But you're cents. not even going to get 15 cents here because, did you say it was for a six-month? It's six a six-month term. So, so you you're actually going to get half of that, which so is seven and seven. a half cents. I wonder if they round up or they round down. Definitely down. <laughs> <laughs> so look, interest, anyway. savings rates are terrible. We're not breaking any news here. Um, now, three of the big four banks have passed this interest rate increase on to their savers. Uh, f- maybe not for every account, but for their, um, you know, like their bonus, bonus maximized saver, saver yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you guess which of the big four banks did not pass it on? CBA. CBA. Yeah, did the you biggest. know or did you just No, guess? no, I guess. Yeah, the biggest. My guess would be that the reason the three others have is to be get a bit more attention than CBA, but anyway, I'm not surprised there. Yeah, mm. yeah. To be fair, so this is from the Sydney Morning Herald a couple of days ago, so by the time we release this episode in a week, I'm going to tip that CBA probably follows suit. There'll be a bit of pressure. So I think we'll say lift your game CBA if you haven't already by the time this is released. That's it. So two direct effects of interest rate rises. If you have a mortgage, you're going to feel it um, and and see the impact there. And equally, depending on which bank you're at, um, you might see uh, an impact on your savings account. But we as investors, and here it gets started investing, are more interested in what it means to us as investors and the stock market. And the stock market is where you will see some indirect uh, impact of an interest rate rise. Yeah, and if you have an American ETF or you're invested in American stocks, you've really seen how tough it's been in the share market to start this year. And it's starting to flow through to Australia. Australia hasn't been hit as bad. You know, miners have done quite well and the banks are doing all right because interest rates are rising. So we haven't had it as bad in the US, but we're all feeling it. We're all seeing a lot of red in our portfolio. So let's quickly explain the indirect impact that interest rates have on the stock market. Sure. So let's start with why we have seen an increase in interest rates, and that's because of the inflation rates that we're seeing at the moment. Very briefly, inflation is the rise in a basket of consumer goods and services that you and I, Ren, um, might go out and buy. If that's right, rising too quickly, the Reserve Bank of Australia lifts rates. That means, as you said at the top, Ren, that money gets more expensive to borrow. It then becomes harder for people to borrow money as well as businesses to borrow money. And because of this cost of borrowing, a lot of these growth stocks that rely on borrowing money to grow, they start to get impacted. Uh, As a result of growth stocks falling, they start to look a lot less attractive compared to the big end of town. A lot more. Sorry, a lot more. <laughs> a lot more attractive compared to the big end of town. Then everyone starts kind of freaking out and re-rating the whole market. Yeah, and that can be confusing because it's like, why does Spotify falling make Apple less attractive? And it's because you know, why would you pay 
seven times revenue for Apple when you can pay one times revenue for Spotify. It's all about the the relative opportunity, you know, the price that everything is is priced at and what you can get for that. So all of a sudden as interest rates rise, growth stocks fall, and then also bond yields start to go up. So investors are constantly playing a game of where can I put my money to get the best return? And right now they're saying these stocks that have just done so well over the past few years aren't the best place to get my money and I'm not willing to pay as much for them. Mm. So so that's what's happening um, and that's why interest rates have this flow-on effect into the stock market and we're all feeling the indirect effects. Yeah, certainly feeling the indirect effects. <laughs> if- but I think, I think the important thing is, and we've, we've done a bunch of stuff on social media about this, it's very easy to panic but this is not something you need to panic about. If you're young, you've got time on your side, zoom out and look at some charts um, because the market has had this before and it will have it again. There will be bear markets, there will be crashes, there will be all of that stuff. But looking back in history, those are the buying opportunities that people say they wish they had invested in. I wish I'd bought Google or Amazon in 2000 in the tech wreck. I wish I'd bought stocks in 2008 during the GFC. Imagine if I bought in March 2020 at the COVID lows. We all lament missing out on that. So I think it's just important to to keep that in mind because who knows what we'll think about 2022 in 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah, well, over on Get uh, Equity Mates Investing podcast this week, we're having a bit of a look at some investor letters. And Ren, to your point there, one of the the quotes in the le- one of the letters that we'll talk about, uh, they say, all past declines look like opportunities and all future declines look like risks. It's one of the great ironies in investing. Nice. Yeah. So well, let's move on. Yeah, that's a good point to move on. We said this would be a quick episode. It's not going to be a <laughs> yeah, quick we episode. Can get through it. So the next story we want to talk about is Magellan's options. And this might not be familiar for people that don't own shares in Magellan, but for people that do own shares in Magellan, a new mysterious line showed up in their brokerage account over the past few weeks with the ticket code MFGO. Mine currently trading at $0, but apparently it's worth $7.08. And so Bryce, MFGO, WTF. (laughs) If you don't own Magellan shares, this may still apply to you at some point in the future. So certainly pay attention because what we're talking about here uh, the Magellan options, and they have appeared in my account as well. I am a shareholder of Magellan. What Magellan have done to all of their shareholders is given you options to buy shares in Magellan at a particular price and at a particular point in time. Well, up to a particular point in time. Yes. So between now and 2024, if you have these options, you can buy shares in Magellan at a $35 share price. Yes. Now that's important, Bryce, and a little bit confusing because Magellan's trading at $15 a share. It is trading at $15 a share. So the question is, what should we do? Well, why, <laughs> like what? I don't get it. Why are they giving me an option to buy something at 35 when it's at 15? Like, what? Like I don't get it. Because that's obviously what Magellan believe their share price to be worth. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think so. It, it's to encourage us to be long-term shareholders because 
we have these options until 2024. Yeah. And so if between now and 2024, Magellan goes on an absolute tear and in 2024 they're worth $70 a share, then you have the these options to buy it still at $35 a share at half the price to what it's trading at. Mm. Great. Great. But... <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that exercising them today makes sense. No, if you were to exercise them today when the share price is, what, roughly $15, mm. you're going to be underwater straight away. And there's also no guarantee that between that, that, it, that it's going to get to that $35 mark. Like yeah. we've seen companies that have, um, have done as well as Magellan and, then, and suffered a, a drawback like they have and really struggled over a long period of time to get back to the, to the share price that they were previously trading. So this is not a, a guarantee that, you know, you buy them at 35 and, and you're going to be able to sell them for a profit at some point. Yeah, so look, we can't give financial advice and we don't want to tell everyone what to do with their money. But I think we can say it doesn't make financial sense to exercise an option with a $35 price when you can buy the underlying asset for less than half of that in the open market. Yeah. So what I am doing personally, this isn't what you need to do, but what I am doing is I'm just going to leave those options in my brokerage account. Yeah. If I decide I want to buy more Magellan, I'm not going to touch those options. I'll just buy Magellan. Yeah. Um, and those options will stay there and I'll watch what happens with Magellan's share price and maybe in the next couple of years I'll decide to exercise those options. If it doesn't reach the $35 share price, then those options will expire, but that's okay. I didn't pay anything for them and I'm not losing anything by not exercising them. The reason that um, we're sort of stressing this is I saw a tweet that a number of investors have exercised this option already which is unfortunate. Yeah, that yeah. is unfortunate. Question that I'm not sure we have an answer to. If I sell all of my Magellan shares between now and 2024, do I still have the options available to me? Great question. I mm. don't know. Pick it up with Magellan. Yeah. Uh, we'll ask them. But yeah, look, uh, we obviously want to see Magellan get back to 35 plus. I certainly do. I'm very much underwater on them. <laughs> um, but yeah, your point stands, Ren. If you can buy them at 15 now, why buy it at 35? You've got until 2024 to make a decision. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got two other big stories to, to have a look at. Mike Cannon-Brooks and his activities on AGL and also Coles and Woolies and the increase in lettuce that we're – the increase in the price of lettuce that we're seeing. But before we jump into that, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, Ren, we've got two stories to close out the episode. The first is Mike Cannon-Brooks is at it again – Buying up shares in AGL. What's the story? Why does this matter? So AGL is Australia's biggest electricity generator and retailer and also our biggest carbon emitter. Uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks is a software billionaire, one of the first two Australian software billionaires with his co-founder, Scott Farquhar. But he has an obsession with AGL. There's a whole other episode in a bunch of cool stuff Cannon-Brooks is doing around climate and electricity policy, Sun Cable, if you want to Google it, Mike Cannon-Brooks, open invitation for the show. But the reason that we want to talk about this today is because the federal election is coming up, but the federal election isn't the only time when your voice can be heard and your vote counts. This Mike Cannon-Brooks and AGL story involves all of the AGL shareholders, 
which we're sure there are some in the equity mates community. So Cannon Brooks has acquired an 11% stake in AGL and is now AGL's largest shareholder. Now, the reason he's done this is because he wants to stop the demerger that is going to happen. Yeah, AGL are trying to split their uh, renewable energy assets and their customer accounts. If you have an electricity account with AGL, um, they want to make that one business and then they want to make all their coal-fired power stations into a separate business. Yeah, and uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks believed that this is going to be... Uh, detrimental to shareholder value and of course um, he also has ambitions to turn AGL uh, into a a more sustainable energy company than it currently is. But why we're talking about this is because Mike Cannon-Brooks understands the power of a shareholder vote and the AGL board needs 75% of shareholders to vote in favour of this demerger. For it, yeah, for it to go through, for it that, to go through, you need a seventy-five percent majority. Mike Cannon Brooks has eleven percent, as you said, so he needs another fourteen point one percent to stop the board getting seventy-five percent to stop this demerger going through. So, if you own AGL shares, your vote matters. Your you can have an impact on on this outcome. Yes. Now, the vote I'm pretty sure is the fifteenth of June, uh, but double check that. So it's coming up pretty quick. It's like a month away. Here's the complexity. If you own AGL through a chess-sponsored broker, so the shares are held in your name, you'll get paperwork. You probably already get heaps of paperwork. I imagine AGL have already sent you paperwork about this, uh, but you'll get paperwork and it will explain how you, how you can vote. And your vote matters because I think if you don't vote, they assume you're going with the board. Yeah, I think so. I think Just, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if you have custodial shares, if you're with a broker that doesn't hold the shares, that holds the shares on your behalf, you'll need to contact your broker to vote. Your broker won't contact you and tell you there's this vote upcoming. And the reason for that is there's so many, I was about to say pointless votes that happen. They're not pointless, but it's like, you know, we want to re-elect this board member and, you know, we want to sign off on this pay packet. And it's like that, that is all important, but perhaps not as important as the climate emergency that we're living through. So we had a look at some of the custodial brokers and you basically just need to send them an email at least a week or two before the vote and tell them uh, your account, how many shares you own and how you want to vote. So Superhero, we looked at their FAQ page. You need to contact them via their live chat or their email at least four days before the vote. IG, you need to contact them at least two weeks before the vote. Um, So it will depend on your broker. Have a look at their FAQ page or just send them an email to their support function. But if you own AGL shares, however you own them, your vote is going to matter on this. Whether you want them to demerge or whether you want Cannon Brooks to stop the demerger, um, I think this was a good story for us to remind everyone and remind ourselves that as a shareholder, we're a part owner in the company yeah. and as a part owner in the company, we have a say in how it's run. Well, I think that's the key thing, Ren. We talk about buying businesses as an investors. We're not traders, hedgers, anything like that. We're buying businesses and you as a shareholder, you get the opportunity to actually vote on the direction of the business. So don't take these lightly. As you said, Ren, there are instances where you're voting for just a new board member or whatever it may be. But when the opportunity like this comes up, you can actually uh, have your voice be heard. So keep an eye out for your paperwork or contact your brokers to be involved. Let's close out, Ren. 
Coles, Woolies, two companies close to our hearts, as is food. We all love food here and everyone is likely experiencing the increase in prices, not only at Coles and Woolies, but across the board. But we're seeing inflation in both both the big retailers mm. and by inflation, food prices are rising. This, this sort of ties back into our first point around interest rates because mm. a reason why interest rates are, have risen and are going to keep rising is because we're seeing inflation come through in a meaningful way. So food prices rose 5.3% in the March quarter. So the first three months of this year, 5.3%. And the reason that we included this was because you and M were complaining about the price of lettuce in the office yesterday. So uh, share, share it. What are you saying? I'm actually really saying it. Physically, yeah, I, we, with my we eyes. All, we all heard it in the office yesterday. It was I, iceberg, iceberg lettuce, five fifty. Broccoli, $8 a kilo. <laughs> um, That's because you go to that. Soy oh. milk, up $0.10 cents a, a bottle even. Um, cereals, bang, through the roof. Wheat. <laughs> we all know wheat, Ukraine war, really hurting wheat. It's, it's, it's really starting to come through and particularly in fruit and vegetables, particularly fruit and vegetables, really seeing an impact. There's been um, supply constraints on a lot of fruit and vegetable growers domestically and internationally. And we all know that the result of low supply and continued or higher demand results in prices going up. Mm. And that's what we're seeing at Coles and Woolworths. Yeah. So Rabobank uh, had some numbers, uh, horticulture, uh, was the biggest contributor to this food price increase. Vegetables up 6.6%. So that was your um, your lettuce. Yeah, lettuce, and, broccoli, yeah, yeah, pumpkin. Yeah. Um, and fruit up 4.9% year on year. Meat, seafood, dairy also contributing, but not as much. But um, yeah, food prices are going up. So I think... Asparagus, I think- three bucks a stick. <laughs> It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> did you did you ever see shallots? This, it's all happening. A few years ago, um, there was what's the really expensive Whole Foods? Whole Foods. Whole Foods uh, yeah. They had one stick of asparagus in like a water bottle. No, did you way. see that? And no. it was like ten bucks. <laughs> uh, they got shredded for it. At That's the time. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so five point three percent was the food price increase in the March quarter. Coles and Woolies both reported their results mm-hmm. and a particular number stood out for me, which was that neither of them reported prices up 5.3%. No, they did obviously uh, report price inflation, but this is because... Oh, so Coles have um, increased their prices by across the board 3.3%, so not quite the 5.3%, and Woolworths 2.7%, so not quite as much as Coles, bit of a competitive dynamic there. So given that they basically dominate the market for food, how come it was less? And where was it more? Competition. (laughs) (laughs) So Coles up 3.3%, Woolies up 2.7%, but we just said that across the board, food prices are up 5.3%. Yeah. So how do we... Square those numbers. How do we make the maths work? Well, essentially, Ren, they're absorbing the costs of these increases. So whilst, uh, yes, revenues are up for both companies, revenue up 3.6% for Coles and Woolworths, revenue up an astonishing 9.7%, their profitability or margins are going to be squeezed and hurt. Yeah. Now, I think it might be a little bit generous to say that Coles and Woolies are 
absorbing the price increases. Mm-hmm. We both worked in retail and for anyone that works in retail and in particular works in suppliers yeah. of the big two retailers, be I think maybe suppliers are being uh, asked to absorb this cost increase more than Coles and Woolies. Yeah. And like it'll eventually flow through, I think is is the point. But um, if you're an investor in Coles and Woolies, if you're an investor in companies that supply Coles and Woolies, these numbers suggest that margins are going to be squeezed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, these are they're businesses that um, in times of inflation they can raise their prices. So they're sort of I wouldn't say inflation resistant businesses, but if you're thinking about investing in businesses. They're consumer staples. Yeah. And like so you're gonna go to Coles or Woolies or Aldi, you're gonna go to the supermarket regardless. Yeah, like they're the yeah. last thing you give up food. Exactly. Yeah. And so um there are some businesses you stay away from in times of inflation, others that you can still consider in your portfolio and uh, these retail consumer staples are certainly on the side of um, being able to deal with inflation a lot better than other companies. Yeah, and I think you, it's pleasing from a consumer point of view that these retailers push back against these inflation increases because there is a world where you have a duopoly in the supermarket game and they become lazy duopolists and they just pass on price increases because they're like, where else are you going to shop? You know, if we're both doing it, you don't really have a choice. But you actually want to see these big companies really fight to keep prices low for consumers and really, you know, make suppliers work for price increases from a consumer point of view. Yeah. So they're not just passing it on and saying customers will pay whatever because they need to eat. Yeah. It's like we're going to work for the consumer. So you think of Coles and Woolies as you think of what you think of them. Yeah. Um, but I think that's actually pleasing to see. I would anticipate next time they report those in, um, inflation numbers are probably going to be a little bit higher, but um, time will only tell. It's not all bad news though, Ren. Bananas down 26% from a year ago and avocados, my favourite, down 29% yeah. from a year ago as well. Avocados were like a dollar at one stage. It was yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Certainly not the season for avocados. I'm certain I'm an anti-shepherd guy. Um, bring back the yeah, Haas any Haas, day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Ren. Well, a little bit of a fun supermarket fact to, to close the day. Um, a lot of people probably know this, but uh, number one item sold in a supermarket? Bananas. Bananas. Quickly followed by hot chickens. Yeah. I'm we, pretty sure. When we started at Coles and Woolies, there was the famous hot chicken wars of 2016. Yes, huge. When both were cutting down, prices. Down, prices yeah, are yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. You guys and got down Coles, to eight bucks or something. Coles had nailed their supply chain, so they were yeah, ready for the increase yeah. in demand. And they drove Woolies supply chain. Uh, they it broke was, it. You it ran a, out of hot chicken. I know. It was at a time when I was working in store as well as part of the grad program. And like, it was chaos in the <laughs> deli. Chaos in the deli. We couldn't keep up. There were hot chickens flying out the door. Then there weren't enough when everyone wanted them at 6 p.m. In the, in the evening coming back from work. You guys really put the heat on. But um, yeah. glad to see that Woolworths still remains number one uh, food retailer in the country on all met metrics <laughs> <laughs> well look we've crossed 30 minutes so i am not gonna bother arguing with that i'll just get uh sasha to cut it out in post nice. um, <laughs> but i think hopefully we've helped explain a few of the news stories going around interest rates and how they affect us as consumers and investors uh what these options are that are showing up in our por- in our brokerage accounts and what options are more generally why your vote matters as a retail investor and how you can exercise it and then just some supermarket chat because that's where we used to work.
That's it. Well, Ren, great to chat as always. And if you have any feedback on the episode or if you would like to give us feedback in general on uh, how Get Started Investing is going, please send us an email at contact at equitymates.com. Otherwise, Ren, we'll pick it up next week. And go listen to all those other shows we spoke about. There's there's some great stuff out there. Yes, thank you, Ren. <laughs> Get Started Investing is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.